I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Hosting friends and family in your home can be a lot of work. Even the everyday hostess who enjoys serving and entertaining others can get stressed out wondering, is my home clean enough? What should I make and how will I serve at all? Having people in our home should be enjoyable, but if we pay too much attention to Pinterest and other social media highlights, we can get discouraged. We may even get distracted from the real reason for hospitality, which is loving and serving others well. This week on the podcast, I talked to Abby Turner about her latest project, The Living Table, Recipes and Devotions for Everyday Get-Togethers. It's a practical guide that shifts our focus from the food and the party preparations to communing with the people who are present. In our conversation, we talked about the power of sharing a meal with others, the most common reason people don't invite others into their homes, plus tips that make hosting guests almost effortless. After listening to this podcast episode, ask yourself, what is the one thing that is holding me back from inviting someone over? Then consider what you can do to overcome it. You may not come up with answers right away, and that's okay. We can talk more about it in the Facebook group. Do you want to know what your kids really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet so you can find out and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. It's a 360 peer review, but for families. Not only does it include assessment questions, but a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions so you can make a fun weekend out of it. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop, and for only $4.99, you can download your copy. Today, I'm talking with Abby Turner. Abby is a young professional who is single and loving life as a food blogger, speaker, and writer. Born into a large family, she grew up in central Arkansas, where she learned the importance of community and biblical hospitality at a young age. After completing undergraduate degrees and obtaining her master's from Baylor, Abby lived in six states in five years, learning that community is essential to a healthy relationship with Christ. Over the last few years, Abby has spoken at colleges, universities, churches, companies, and has been featured on regional TV shows and podcasts. Abby's passion is to encourage women to stop wasting time waiting for the perfect family, house, or table, and to start opening their homes, cooking for friends, and building community. You can learn more about Abby and enjoy even more recipes by visiting her website at atabletopaffair.com. Abby, welcome to the podcast. It is so fantastic to have you here today. Yes, I'm so excited to be with you. This is going to be a great conversation. Yeah. So your bio says that you come from a large family. And a question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your family known for? So I want to hear all about you guys, what it's like when you get together, what you're known for, and what you can count on when you hang out with them. Yeah. So my mom is one of probably or five. She's one of five. And so there are probably 48 of us that get together on like a good consistent basis without being in different states. I mean, that is like our solid group. And so we are always known for the party. So anywhere we go, we 
I mean, we have a lot of noise, 48 of us. That, that's, a, that's a lot of noise. But you know what? One thing that I have always loved growing up is that when we, when we come together, we treasure the meal. We treasure coming around and sitting at the table. And it's not the adult table and the kid table. While it was for a little bit, we're all um, getting older and getting to the age where we're kind of, you know, intermingling with the different age groups. And so it is so nice to come to a family that not only accepts you, not only that, you know, it's the people that you can confide in, but that, you know, you're going to sit down with a meal and truly connect on a very intimate level. And I think that that's something that, you know, family units, you look at, you know, kind of the statistics that's going away, the mealtime is going away. And so to know that I have a family that protects that is something that's super special. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. And I love that you said that about the no separation with the kids and the grownups. I definitely love that my kids are just used to hanging out with grownups. I think it makes them more likable, although that's not the point. <laughs> but they are able to actually interact with grownups. They get to observe how you interact. They get to observe the conversation, how to be in community, how to yeah. be in family, how to care for one another. Right. And I think that's so important. And that does. It happens at the table for sure. So your latest project is a cookbook. So I'm yeah. assuming that you're really drawing from your personal experience. It's called yeah. The Living Table Recipes and Devotions for Everyday Get-Togethers. So can you just tell us more about that title, Living Table? Yeah. So about seven years ago, I was living in Birmingham, Alabama. It had been kind of my fourth state in five years. Like I just moved a lot in my early adulthood and I found myself really lonely. And I think that that's when God started um, really working and, and developing this passion for the table. I was told by my mom to cook a fresh meal. Don't order out. There's something about a home-cooked meal. Bring someone into your home. I had a very small kind of like drop leaf. I wish I still had a picture of it or still had the table. It'd be so cool. But it was a drop leaf table. It like sat one when it was dropped and two when it was up and I just shoved it against the wall. And she was like, Abby, pull it out, sit somebody at it. And that one person turned into two, turned into six, turned into a Bible study. And it was just really cool how God and connection with people. He built my community around that table or around my obedience to bring someone into that table. So I think that that's super cool. And so as I kind of developed um, this passion for the table kind of talked to the Lord. I moved a couple of more times. It was just something that for me, I looked there and was like, there is something to the table. It's laced throughout scripture. It's something that God continually talks to us. He says, I want to bring you to the table. You know, you look at Jesus's ministry and he did the majority of his ministry around table, around food with people. And if we're to be imitators of Christ, I think we need to we need to look at that and we need to imitate that behavior. And so, you know, I look at the table not as just this like static dead piece of furniture, but it is a living and breathing vessel that the Lord gets to use. And the Lord gets to, you know, use our obedience to bring connection and blessing and abundance into our life, whether that's abundance in food or abundance in friendship you know, it's, I believe food is that natural conduit. And so when I started this, this idea of food around a table, what does this look like in a cookbook? It, it's not just a cookbook that's separated by meal type. So appetizer or dessert, it's, it's this book that, you know, has devotions in it. So it, it does give you encouragement around different scriptural references 
differences in how we can see connection and we can see obedience at the table in our own lives and then or in scripture and then how we can how we can imitate that in our own lives with these really easy quick recipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. It reminds me of when my kids were little, I was new in our neighborhood and I did not know anybody. And what was so fantastic about the table was that I could simply ask someone to come over for lunch and they would say yes, even if I didn't know them. But because I was serving them food, it wasn't awkward. And some of my best relationships- Isn't that so true? Yeah. Some of my best relationships were built over making grilled cheese for the kids, even though these, this person was a stranger. Like, <laughs> Yes. Like, yes. Or, and it's, yeah. um, it's just like you have food and people are like, oh yeah, I'll come. I mean, yeah. I, I think back to the story of the feeding of the 5,000, those people were like, you know, following Jesus. But the minute he said like, hey, we're going to stop and eat lunch- I picture all of these people just sitting down and saying, yeah, feed me. I'm here for the food. And, exactly. and then he used that to, to bless them with, with words and with connection and with intimacy and just, man, we can do the same thing. God gives mm-hmm. us the table. I mean, it was the second piece of furniture behind the Ark of the Covenant in scripture that God instructs me to make. So he first says, the Ark, you know, we need to build the Ark of the Covenant. That is where I will reside. And then I want you to build a table. He didn't say build a pew. He didn't say build an altar. He didn't say mm-hmm. build a chair. He said, mm-hmm. build the table. This is what goes on the table. He said a chalice and a bread plate. So he was teaching his people how to eat and dine with him at the table. Mm-hmm. It's not just about bringing other people, but it's about having God enter that community with you. I mean, yeah. you look at all the way into Revelation and God has said, I have built, I have prepared this banquet table. I mean, it's going to be the ultimate wedding recital. You know, it's going to be like this huge party. And I can just only imagine what that table is going to look like. And that we, you know, we, if we neglect that table in our own life, man, we're missing out on that true, the blessing of community that, mm-hmm. that God, God wants us to, to be a part of. Yeah. And we have to eat anyways. Why not make yeah. it fun and easy <laughs> and beautiful? Right. <laughs> so I love that in your book, you say that we should toss aside the pressures of Pinterest perfect dinner parties in exchange for meaningful and simple gatherings that feature easy and delicious dishes, allowing hostesses to shift their focus from the food and the party preparations to communing with the people who are present. And the funny thing about this is there's a squiggly line under the word communing, because I don't think we know what it is anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about this idea of communing and what it really means first, just showing up and eating to eat. Yeah, I think you know, you look at the definition, I think biblical hospitality is this kind of a taboo word. Nobody really knows what, what it means. Hospitality mm-hmm. is usually bucketed into this, this just kind of corner of that's a spiritual gift. It's not my spiritual gift. So I'm not even going to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Mm-hmm. And if you really look at how we're supposed to imitate Christ, I believe hospitality can also, while it is a spiritual gift can also be in this, this bucket of a spiritual discipline that we need to practice and we need to cultivate. You look at how Paul throughout his letters says, don't neglect hospitality. We need to practice it. We need to invite others in. You look at the words that are used in Acts when it says the church, they worshiped and they prayed and they ate together. That is the act of hospitality. And so if the church was doing it, we are the church. We need to be, we need to be, um, 
you know, working on that discipline in us. Now, now on the flip side of hospitality, you have this word entertaining, or you have this word hosting, which can sometimes in, in some circles and some vernacular. And I, I know that I, I even do it. We just substitute the words. We say, okay, well, it's not hospitality, it's hosting or entertaining. It's just an mm-hmm. easier word. But I think that there's a heart difference behind the, the words when you look at hospitality, and I think that that's that's that this true communion with other people and with the Lord, there is this authenticity, there is this service behind it. Whereas if you look at the other side of it and you say, okay, I'm going to host or I'm going to entertain, there's like a pride to it. I want to show off my house. Mm-hmm. I want to impress my guests. I want it to be perfect for them. And Jesus came to say, it's not about perfection. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. I need you to get out from behind the counter, Martha. And I need you to get to where Mary is on your knees in front of me in front of your people. And I need you to serve them. And so I I think that that's how you can kind of look at hospitality and hosting and entertaining just a little bit different. I use, I'm guilty of using them all interchangeably, but I do believe at the core, when you look at it scripturally, there's like a heart Mm -hmm. difference there. And, and we need to, to be really careful about when we do truly commune with others. That mm-hmm. is our, that's the call on our life is to commune with others, whether they're non-believers or whether they're the believers or they're strangers, whoever they are. It's that intimacy. It's that authenticity. It's that vulnerability that's formed. And what a better place uh, to do it than at the table. Our, our brains are, when we're sitting at the table, I'm not a neuroscience scientist um, and I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist at all. I, majored in marketing. So I'm all creative, but, (laughs) but there's something I've heard that happens in our brain when we're sitting at the table, because it's an open posture. It's an open Mm. position. We're not closed off. Our arms are open. You can even notice when you're sitting next to somebody at a table, you don't really turn your head to talk. You will turn your entire body. You will open your body up to talk to people. And so that is that vulnerability. That is that intimacy that God has just designed our bodies to crave that happens at the table, that we can unlock this mystery of a little bit of who Jesus was, a little bit of who God designed us to be at the table, Mm -hmm. communing with Mm -hmm. others, being authentic and not focused on perfection not focused on what culture and what society and what Instagram needs us to say, but what we need to do for our people. Mm -hmm. So what I love about your book is that you really have simplified it and made it really approachable for anybody. And and this is great for families too. Like if you want to get your kids involved in this idea of hosting and hospitality and serving others, they can do it pretty easy with the recipes in this book. You know, I love your frozen food charcuterie board. I think I need to make everything from scratch and I don't. So I'll be sending this book with my daughter to college. But tell me more about like how the book's organized. What kind of recipes we'll find in that book? Yeah, you know, I find that our, you know, our lives are, are kind of broken up into moments they can be big moments like birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, but they can also be really small moments like a Tuesday night or a Sunday brunch after church. And so what I try to do is take moments that I find people are participating in or want to participate in, (laughs) in their life. And I broke up. So, you know, okay, I'm having a game night. I need recipes for my game night, or I'm having a pool party or a backyard barbecue or a gallon. Valentine's party or Friendsgiving. So I big and small moments, every moment has four or five recipes so that you know 
if you are a novice cook, because I was a novice cook. I'm not a chef. I did not go to culinary school. I just kind of learned in the kitchen by serving others. And so don't think of me as a chef. Don't think of me as like a Rachel Ray, but think of me as like your best friend that says, Hey, these are my favorite recipes that take like 30 minutes and are really easy to clean up and everyone's going to love them. Uh, So they're not super fancy foods. There are some trendy foods like goat cheese and burrata in there, but there's also, you know, some staples like pesto and pasta and, you know, like those good hearty things that everyone loves and enjoys. And so I broke them up by moments to make it easier because I truly believe that life with life with others is better in the moments. It's those small moments of life when we can really truly build that intimacy and, you know, if you have a family, I'm single, so I, I don't have this except for my, my own, my like, you know, immediate family, my brother, my sisters and my mom and my cousins and everything. But with your family training up that next generation to see, oh, it's the pool party. Oh, if they matter to you, they matter to me. I want them to come over. Mm-hmm. The meal is easy. It's not something that has, that's laborious or takes a ton of time. I want to start helping people train themselves, train their children, train their friends that like potlucks are okay. Using grocery store-bought items, is that's okay. I, there's a cheesecake in the book that it's a no-bake cheesecake, not because you don't have to bake it, but because you buy the cheesecake. And so it's one of these things that like the, the book is easy. It's just me sharing tips and tricks on how to display um, store-bought items, how to add a couple of store-bought items together to make a meal because the goal is not a perfect dinner. The goal is to bring people together. And I had somebody on Instagram DM me the other day that they made a recipe and it was so bad. They burned it. They forgot that it was in the oven, but because they made food, they invited people over. It didn't matter that the food was burned. They still ate the burned food. It was about the people around their table and that community and that connection. And they said it was one of the best meals that they had ever had, not because the food was spectacular, but because the the conversation was there because the, the, the placement or their mindset was put on the people. And I think that that's the goal of the book is take the intimidation out of the kitchen. Let's get in the kitchen. Let's do some easy stuff. Let's relearn how to cook and how to serve others with food. And let's just get to the table. Yeah, for sure. You've achieved that. I definitely think so. And and think about how that conveys such love and value to the people that are coming to your house that you've taken the time to prepare these things for you. They don't need to know it didn't take that long. <laughs> no. Oh, man. So what have you found to be the most common reason that people withhold from inviting others to their home? And then what do you have to say to them? Yeah, I, get, I ask this question a lot on Instagram because um, I... I want to know how I can best help bridge that gap because I know the gap is there. And a lot of the things that I hear people say or are nobody will want to come to my house. Everyone's too busy. I don't know the first thing about cooking. What if my food's not good? And nobody, it's just like this feeling of like, lack of worthiness. Like I'm Hmm. just, nobody wants to be my friend. Like, why would they want to come to my house? It's messy. It's dirty. I have kids. Let me tell you, I have dogs that shed. So like, I totally (laughs) hear you in like the messy thing, but I, you know, what I try to remind them and what I try to encourage them with is that 
Again, it's not about the perfection. It's not about how perfect your home is. It's not about how clean your home is. It's about that connection with the people. And there's a, there's a question I always get asked when people come into my home and my house is really clean. If it's spotless, if the dishes are out of the sink and somebody has a drink in their hand, they always ask for a coaster. Do you have a coaster? Let me, do I need to put a coaster under my drink? But if I have laundry out, if my dishes are in the sink, if things are not clean, they do not ask for the coaster. They just put the drink anywhere and it is fair game. And let me tell you, that is the house. Like if you had to think about two houses and two places you wanted to go, which house mm-hmm. do you want to go to? Mm-hmm. I want to go to the house that the person doesn't, the person's just excited that I'm there and I, my drink can go anywhere. And so I, I really try to remind myself when I start to feel the pressures of, society saying, oh my gosh, your house has to be perfect or it has to look like this magazine cover or whatnot. Mm -hmm. That no, it doesn't. It just needs to be livable. So people can come in and feel homey and feel loved and feel, you know, cared for. And so, and if you think that somebody doesn't want to come over to your house and eat, I guarantee you flip that somebody else is thinking that about you. And so, and so making that first step. And if they say no, Ask and say, okay, great. When is when would be a good time? Because I would yeah. love to have you and your family at my house. I also have a friend that has three boys and a husband, and that is not my life stage, but I'm finding that the older that I get, that is the life stage of all of my friends. And so it's hard for them to come to my place. But just last week, I went to hers and I picked, I texted her and I knew that she had had a stressful day. And I said, hey, can I pick your kids up from school? Because I, I don't have, kids. I don't have anything in the afternoons. And so I I picked her kids up from school. We ran to the grocery store and picked up groceries and I made dinner at their house. We sat around their table with their family and I was able to have intimate conversation with her, meeting her where she was. I, I could have forced her to come into my space, but that would have caused so much mm-hmm. stress in her life. So me coming to hers I mean, what a perfect example, not that, not that I'm perfect, but what a perfect example of how we need to be as the church, as the community, inviting people in, making them feel loved, serving them. And I use that as an example, because I think so many times it's like, well, they have so much going on, or they don't have time to be a friend right now, or they don't have time to come over to my house. Well, flip the table a little bit, Yeah, go to theirs. Yeah. Oh, that's so fantastic. I I think we assume that everyone's so busy, which we are, but I think there's people out there just waiting to be invited to do something. And, you know, as you were talking about like flipping the table, I love it when like somebody shows up at a soccer game and they bring a thermos of hot chocolate and cups for everybody. That's their way to be hospitable, bringing the cheese and crackers and snacks to that football practice that they have to sit through again. That is also creating and presenting a table for people as well. Yeah. And and just that, you know, you do, it doesn't have to be some elaborate Christmas dinner. It doesn't have to be commercial. You know, it doesn't have to be this perfect thing. It can be, you know, hospitality. If you look at the definition from the church, it's the greeters are even showing hospitality by just Mm -hmm. welcoming people into the church. And so how can you welcome people into your life? And we are people, God designed us to not be alone. God designed us to be with others. I mean, that's in the very beginning of Genesis and it's in the very end of Mm -hmm. Revelation that we are meant to be a community of people. And so 
if you are living your life alone or afraid to ask people to, you're going to, you're going to push yourself into a life of kind of isolation and you don't want to be there. You want to be in a life that is thriving and that is flourishing with friendship and with community. And maybe friends aren't made overnight, but by inviting somebody and having intimate conversation and learning about them and having conversation, teaching your kids how to have that conversation, like we were talking about mixing the kids with the adults, teaching them how to have those, those mature mature conversations Mm -hmm. than they would just at the kid's table, you know, making a a mess out of mustard and ketchup, you know? So I I think that there's a lot there that you can unpack and say, how does this fit into my own life? How can I invite people over? If you don't feel confident, you know, there, I I get messages all the time. My apartment's too small. I don't have a big, I don't have a big table. Great. Go find a table somewhere at a restaurant Mm -hmm. and make that your table or your space on a Tuesday afternoon and invite people to that table on Tuesday afternoon. And I use Tuesday because I feel like it's so arbitrary. Like, what happens on Tuesdays? <laughs> the best. We did something with friends like on a Tuesday night and they were like, this is so fun to go out yeah. and bowl on the middle of the week. It wasn't even the middle yeah. of the weekend. And they were like, oh my gosh, because we tend to reserve those things for, you know, maybe, maybe Thursday, Friday and Saturday. But really what some of us moms need and parents need and people need is like that break on a Tuesday. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, sure. I mean, I just, I just love thinking about all of the little moments and you think about the the little moments that that are laced throughout scripture where people were blessed because they took time to have a conversation. Look at the woman at the well and how Jesus Mm -hmm. took time to have a conversation with her and how her life was changed. And so I, you know, I think we as believers, as Christians, we can have that same impact on someone's life. We can have that. They can have that same impact on us. I mean, you just look at the, the, the first miracle that Jesus performed in Canaan and how it wasn't the the wedding goers that saw the miracle. It was the servants. It was the people that were serving the attendant, the attendees that that saw the, the water turn into wine. And so in that same vein, like God wants to bless us for serving others. And sometimes that is, we see that miracle. We see that blessing more on the serving side than we do on the receiving side. So I just really encourage people to, you know, look at, look at your space. Look at your life, look at your situation, your phase of life and what that looks like. I had an older woman, maybe 78, late in her seventies that, that got, that read the cookbook in the back of her daughter's car. And she said, I I didn't realize being a widow living alone, I retired, I don't have anything to do. And I just, why cook for myself? Why do anything from but I read your, I'm wasting time. I could be using all this time to cook for my neighbors or cook for young new moms or bless others. Like it has given me. So I, even when I was writing the book, I kind of thought it was going to be for, you know, young professionals kind of in my life. And then it's, I'm hearing all these stories about, no, you're reigniting this, this, the power of the table for my family. You're reigniting the power of hospitality for my life as a widow at 78. Like, so I, there's so much power in serving others and community and bringing people together around food. And so I don't want people to lose that because I've just seen that goodness firsthand and it has drastically changed my outlook on life, my life as a whole. and just how I invite people and look at inviting people over into my space. All right. Love that. 
All right. So we're wrapping up. Do you have any, what are some practical tips that you have for hosting guests in your home? Like give us real quick, just a few things that we might find in your book that's going to help us that takes the guesswork out of serving others this way. Yeah. So in the first little eight pages of the book, I think it's the introduction, but after the introduction, there is a hosting handbook and I have put everything from how to set the table. What do you need to keep in your pantry? What needs to always be on your shopping list? On my shopping list, I always have crescent rolls. You can do anything with crescent rolls. You can make like a pizza with crescent rolls. You can make cinnamon rolls. They can just be bread and you can put some garlic butter on them and they can be Italian. Like you can do literally anything with Yeah. So I, that's always on my list and that's in the book. Uh, So a little, little teaser there. No, but I always, the first thing I say is if your table is not clean, clean it off, Uh, set your table, because if your table is set, then you are more ready to host people. You are more ready to invite people in. You're able, you're kind of putting yourself in that posture of obedience of saying, okay, God, open the door and bring people in. I think I'm ready. So, so if, if you find yourself putting laundry or bills or soccer cleats or name that backpack on the table, maybe find another, another vessel for that. Maybe put, maybe put that somewhere else and clean out that table. My table always has a charger and a plate. My plates are usually not breakable. They're usually like those cute melamine plates that you can find at like Target or Walmart or something that you change with the season. And so chargers and I use plastic silverware. Oh my gosh. I know it's horrible, but I love the spritz plastic silverware because we just toss it and it's not a big deal and it's easy cleanup. And I'm all about quick and easy when I'm bringing people into my home and then always have a glass because you never know when somebody's going to walk in and they're going to be like, Hey, do you have some water? And grab that glass off the table and fill it up. Are you sure? Can I grab this? Are you having dinner? No, it's all for you. It's free. It just Mm -hmm. makes them feel special. Also, I would really encourage people, if you're going to invite someone over, think about not being perfect. Think about, okay, I just want to invite you into my space, into my home. Vulnerability, it breeds vulnerability. So if you bring them into a space that's not clean and not perfect, they're more likely going to open up and share with you because you've already shared a bit behind the curtain with them. So those are kind of my tips and tricks. Pick up the book so that you can really read those uh, hosting those hosting tips and tricks. But yeah, the, the clean off the table. That's the first step. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> Sometimes we just push things over to the side. <laughs> we need to clean it off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us yeah. today. This has been so fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You can find Abby at atabletopfair.com. She's also on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as a Tabletop Fair. I will link to all of those plus her book in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at, at Kimberly Leachy and you can find the podcast at, at build your best family. Remember family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.